Sports Radio 1043 The Fan. Every Saturday morning, it's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Terry takes you inside the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, camping. It's Terry Wickstrom Outdoors. Now, here's Terry. All right, good morning. You know what? It's finally starting to really feel like spring and summer out there. The weather is uh, consistently going to get warmer. We're actually starting to see some runoff. I drove by the pooter. It's starting to run high. We're going to talk about all those kinds of things. We're going to talk a lot of fishing today throughout both hours of the show. Uh, We're also going to talk a little bit about uh, what's called a track chair program out at Parks and uh, wildlife, oh, what an awesome opportunity for physically challenged people to get out and enjoy the outdoors. So we're going to spend some time on that, and uh, we just have a lot to cover. So let's go to the phones, and joining us is um, Brad Peterson. He, uh, early in his career, worked for the in-fisherman people out in Minnesota. You've heard him as a contributor to this radio show for many years. He's a guide. He guides both fishing and waterfall. Good morning, Brad. Good morning, Terry. You know, I, I don't know if you heard what I said in the opening, but it looks like we're in a, a warming trend. We're actually going to get a couple days here of maybe a little bit of moisture off and on, but the weather looks like it's consistently going to be 70s, 80s, going out into the next week or two, and really should take the warm water fishing to another level. And at the same time, we're getting rising water levels almost everywhere if they're not full already. So... I know you guide a lot of these northeast reservoirs. What are you seeing out there? Well, I tell you what, I wish you would uh, share that weather forecast with uh, what the actual weather is outside this morning. It's a little chillier than I was expecting, but, yeah, that that warmer forecast for the next week is definitely um, making a difference. I'm out here on Boyd right now, and the lake is coming up almost a foot a day. They're pouring a ton of water in it, and uh, the – the water, with that influx of water, the temperature hasn't risen to where it should be, but I would guess the lake will be full by early next week. And as soon as the lakes kind of top off and then they're able to just kind of hold steady, you're going to see those water temperatures really start jumping. And we're just prime. We've got a lot of the, the warm water species, especially the crappies and the largemouth bass, are all just at that pre-spawn stage getting ready to move in. And those 70, you know, upper 70 degree days next week in that steady temperature is really going to, you know, push those fish up shallow, make the bites good. And, you know, the walleyes, they're kind of coming off their post-spawn doldrums. So that bite is really starting to pick up. I've been out to uh, Jumbo and Sterling in the last week or so, and both of those are doing pretty good. And just give it another four or five days of warm weather, and they should really catch fire. Now, Jumbo had some water issues last year, right? Is it how does the fishery seem? You know, it's it's definitely down from where it was three, four years ago. Um, but there are still fish in there to be caught. Um, the pressure is not quite as hard as it was last year. So, if you're looking for a spot to get out there and you really like Jumbo, it's it's worth an effort. There's you know some decent sized fish, and then uh, there is actually a, a strong, fairly, like, 12 to 14-inch year class in there right now. But um, the lake's fairly clear, so you're going to have to fish it a little bit different than normal. Uh, trolling out deep is 
probably going to be one of your better tickets right now at Jumbo. So if you want to go up there, it's it's still worth a, a trip if that's a body of water you really like. Okay. Let's go through a few of the lakes. Let's go all the way out to Sterling. You mentioned uh, all these lakes coming on. You know, Sterling's known for its crappies in addition to walleyes. It used to be some pretty good wipers, but I think they've cut back on that. And it used to be pretty good catfish. If you were going to Sterling right now, how would you approach it over the next few days? You know, if I'm going to go to Sterling, um, what I found was the fish seemed to be a little bit deeper, kind of in that 8 to uh, 13-foot range. And, the and now you're talking best, walleyes, right? Yep, talking walleyes. Um, and the bite was best uh, using like a jig and live bait, uh, like a night crawler, and just slowly moving it along the bottom. The the bite was not quite as active as I had expected. And uh, so I think it just needs a little bit more to really get going. But there's you're having to search for fish. There's the active fish are in small groups. We probably hit a dozen spots yesterday and had two spots where we caught fish. So, you know, don't hang around a long time if you're not catching fish in a spot. Keep looking for those fish. Give it a week, and the the number of spots, should, the fish should really spread out some more. And the crappies are just kind of in that uh, pre-spawn stage, just moving up into the trees. And kind of like the walleyes, you're going to need to cover some water until you find the areas that's holding the fish. And then once you do, you know, spend your time and really – pick that area apart i up there i'm kind of more of a tube jig fan up in the trees um and just short little casts in there i'm sure jigs and minnows maybe under a float would also catch a lot of fish as well you know i want to get back to what you said about the um live bait on a jig for the for the walleyes and you're using a either a night crawler or probably a piece of a night crawler on a jig when do you when do you determine what's the best bait? Is it water temperature? Is it just your gut feeling? Do you take some of different ones with you and see how they react? But you know, we a lot of people will throw a minnow versus a night crawler versus a leech versus just plastics. What's your what's your method for kind of starting out for which bait you want to throw? I always in a guide trip have some night crawlers with me, um, hoping that I don't have to use live bait. But night crawlers are kind of my go to year round if I'm going to have bait with me. Then uh, the next option that I go to is leeches. Leeches are usually a springtime to mid-June for me around here. Um, and then minnows, It's it's got to be a really tough bite or a really specific bite for me to take too many minnows with me. Just, you know, Colorado has a lot of restrictions with you having to have your receipt. You can only keep the minnows for a week at a time. So I kind of personally steer away from minnows, but if I was going to be fishing minnows for walleyes, it's going to be that real early March, April timeframe. And again in the fall. And the one time that I do usually have minnows with me is if I'm going to go out and chase crappies. There are times that just nothing beats, you know, a little two to three inch fathead minnow for crappies. So that's that's when I really will make sure that I've got crappies or uh, minnows with me is when I'm out chasing crappies. All right, let's move down now closer to Jackson Lake. What are you seeing there? You know, Jackson is starting to warm up. Uh, the bite for the wipers is kicking on. 
A lot of them are being caught trolling in kind of that uh, five to eight foot range. And uh, as the day progresses, they seem to move out a little deeper into that uh, 10 to 13. You can speed up out there. Uh, They're a little bit more active. So I've been seeing kind of that one six to two one two two mile an hour be the best and just really cover water use a variety of baits and cover uh you know some shallow lures some mid-depth lures and some bottom lures out there i almost always like to have one lure running close to the bottom you're going to pick up wipers and a few walleyes mixed in there and then the other ones it just kind of depends where they're at But my biggest tip for someone going out to Jackson is as you're looking around and trolling, you know, really pay attention to the bait. The wipers in particular are very bait-oriented out there. There's not a lot of structure. So when you find the bait, usually the wipers are going to be close by. So that's that's what I really keep an eye on when I'm headed out to Jackson. Any size to the wipers there? Yeah, the wipers this year are running really good. You know, very few fish under the 15-inch size limit. Most of them are 15 to 19 inches with a chance of, you know, a fish in that low 20-inch range. So if you're wanting to get on some bigger fish, that's definitely a good option. Just be real careful. That's a lake that if it's going to be windy like the next few days, uh, that can be rough to launch a boat. So if you're looking at getting a boat out there, I might pass on jacks in the next couple days. And if you're going to go out there, maybe target fishing more from the shore. Yeah, you know, a 20-inch wiper will pull your string, too. Let me tell you, that's a powerful <laughs> fish. What a good time to catch. Make sure you get, yeah, make sure you got good tackle and good drag. You'll burn out a reel in a hurry with a 20-inch wiper. Let's bring it right up to the front range now. I know you're on board. You've been fishing it quite a bit. What's going on there? You said it's close to full or it's filling. What's happening there? Yeah, I would say it's about two to three feet short of filling right now, so uh, or being completely full, so it's still filling. Uh, the the fish being drawn to the main inlet cove, that kind of died about five, six days ago, so the fish are spreading out again. And the uh, bass are pre-spawn, staging up in the more shallow areas. Uh, the walleyes, there's still some walleyes out deep, and a few are starting to turn transition into more of a bait presentation you know bottom bouncers and and spinners and that type stuff but um you still need to cover water for the walleyes once that water level gets full and stabilizes for about it usually takes about a week 10 days then those fish are going to start to concentrate on more of the structure so until that happens i would say trolling is going to be one of your most effective presentations and uh you know we're We've been catching even some largemouth, uh, a few puppies, a few white bass, and uh, even today we caught a catfish while out trolling. So trolling is a good presentation right now to catch a wide variety of stuff. Um, and you always get your, your trout mixed in there if you're out in a little bit deeper water. But the trout seem to be a little bit more suspended. They're about that 15-foot depth down uh, over deeper water. So if you're looking for trout, that's what I'd recommend doing. And, you know, Boyd does 
hold over some trout and it has it's it's they well stock it with trout so trout are always an option that maybe when a day isn't going so well that you can catch some fish and have some fun and take a few home for the pan too so no don't overlook the trout at all by the way as far as that bottom bouncer bite when it starts um, on my youtube channel the best of fishing with terry wickstrom gary darling and i went out there and did just that several years ago and that video is on my youtube channel where we bottom bounce Boyd four walleyes. Now, we didn't just kill them, but we caught a nice number and went through the techniques. When you're trolling, one other question, before you get to the bait and the bottom bouncers or a slow death or whatever you run, when you're trolling, are you using lead core or snaps to control your depth at all, or are you just freeline trolling? If I'm fishing anything deeper than about 15 feet uh, trolling like crankbaits, I'm going to be using, my personal preference is lead core. Um, I like the the 18 pound is kind of the standard for walleye anglers. You know what the depth is, and as far as how many feet the lure is going to drop per color. So I usually use 18 pound, and then I've been using the uh, Suffix 832, which dives a little bit deeper. You know, traditional lead core dives about five feet of color for the first three colors, and the 832 dives about seven and so i kind of like that because you're able to you don't have to put out quite as much line to get the depth that you need uh to get out there so i i stick with that when i'm contour trolling if i'm going to be out suspended uh over open water that's when i go more to the snap weights uh they seem to be more effective out there and um, whereas when you're contour trolling if you make a turn those snap weights re- respond so quick that it oftentimes will put your lure right on the bottom and get fouled up with some sort of, you know, weeds and stuff. And the weeds out here right now are running to about 22 feet. All right, Brad, the wind is starting to affect your connection, so we're going to let you go. But if people want to get a hold of you, what do they do? Uh, the best thing to do is to give me a call at 303-829-3998 or look me up on Facebook at Brad Peterson Outdoors. I do have some openings coming up this the next few weeks to head out east and chase some of those walleyes, on, uh, particularly, you know, Sterling and Jackson out there. All right, my friend, you and I need to get on the water very soon. Thanks for joining us, Brad. You're welcome, Terry. Time out. and we come back, we're going to tell you about a unique opportunity at Parks and Wildlife for physically challenged people to get out and really enjoy the outdoors on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Terry Wickstrom Outdoors is brought to you in part by Jack's Outdoor Gear, serving the outdoor public for 65 years. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Staunton State Park is Natalie Bostow. Good morning, Natalie. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing great. And, you know, Staunton is... Sun offers a unique opportunity for people that may be challenged to enjoy outdoors that they might not be able to uh, to enjoy otherwise. And I want to talk about that plus an event you've got coming up. But first, why don't you tell people where the park is located and just give a brief description? Yeah, so we're located outside of Conifer, Colorado. We're about 40 minutes from Denver. Um, we've got lots of trails. We've got um, lots of rock climbing. We've got ponds that you can fish in. Um, it's an absolutely beautiful park just right right outside of Conifer. And I believe it's a day-use park, is that right? So we do have some camping, 
Um, it is a day-use park, but we do have some camping. Um, they're all walk-in campsites that we've got here at the park. Okay, and you talked about trails and fishing. Uh, let's talk real quick about the two fishing er, uh, opportunities. One is, I believe, Davis Ponds, and that's pretty close. That's a pretty short walk. You you come into the park, there's a common parking area, and you walk from there, and that's a pretty easy walk to Davis Ponds. Is that right? Yeah, it's a, a little bit more than 0.5 miles if you park at the visitor center and walk from the visitor center. It's a super flat, wide trail. Um, not a lot of elevation gain on that trail, so it's a pretty easy trail to get out to those um, to the Davis Ponds. There's two ponds out there at Davis Ponds. And what I've heard in the past is they really keep that well stocked, so people do a great have a great time catching trout there. Is that right? Yeah. So that pond is stocked every month, and it was actually just stocked last Monday. So they stock it pretty frequently during the summer. So there's always fish in there for you to catch. Now the other fishing opportunity on the property is brook trout up by. I think it's, is it Ellis Falls or Elk Falls it is? Uh, and that's a quite a hike in, though. Is that right? Yeah, so Elk Falls Pond is a little bit, it's definitely farther into the park than Davis Pond. Um, we are in the middle of a pretty big construction project here at the park. We're paving the road that goes farther into the park. So once that paving project is done, it'll actually only be about a three-mile hike into um, the Elk Falls Pond area. Now, now people come to me all the time and they say I love the outdoors but I've got a disability or I've got a challenge in life that I had an accident or I've had a disease or I'm or they're like me they're just old and have trouble getting around but they say I really want to get out and hike the trails or get out on the trails and enjoy nature or maybe go do a little fishing but I just can't get to those spots you have an incredible program to help those people don't you yeah, so here at the park, we have what we call the track chair program, and we've got four all-terrain wheelchairs. Um, they kind of look like tiny tanks, so they have treads instead of wheels, and we use those chairs to get people out on our trails, take them out fishing, and make sure that they can still get out and enjoy nature. And they can uh, they can just take them out, just go on the trails too, right? I mean, they don't have to go fishing. They can just go through the park with those now let's go. I know you got an event coming up. We're going to talk about that. But let's go through how you get to use one of those track chairs. First, there's a reservation system. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So if you just go to Staunton's website, um, you'll see a little tab that says track chair program. And if you click on that, it'll take you to our availability calendar, and you can look and see what dates we still have available for trips. And then you fill out that reservation form. And then once you fill that out, I will get back to you and um, confirm your reservation for you to come out for a hike. And when they come out, you don't just dump on them. They have a volunteer that's with them all the time. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. So a volunteer goes out with every trip that goes out. Now, can just the person who's handicapped show up or do they need somebody else with them, too, that's mobile? They need to have a caregiver with them as well. So they need to have somebody with them who can handle any needs that may arise for the person that's riding in the chair. What a tremendous program this is. I'm so fond of the outdoors and the way it brightens people's lives and the joy it brings them to take people who other might otherwise might not be able to get out and enjoy the trails or go fishing or it's just even go on a picnic. It is so just incredible. Now you have an event coming up. Tell us about that. Yeah, so we're having our first ever adaptive recreation weekend here at the park. 
That's going to be June 12th and 13th. It's from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. And we're going to have um, fishing. We're going to have some archery. We're going to have um, shorter track chair trips so you can come up and ride in the track chair for a little bit. But we're also going to have booths from different organizations that also offer different adaptive recreation opportunities. So different groups like the Lockwood Foundation and National Sports Center for the Disabled is going to be here and Wilderness on Wheels and a, a bunch more different organizations that kind of open up the wilderness to people. And that's on June 6th, 12th, and 13th, right? So people June, mark yep, your calendar. Yeah. Mark your calendars for that, folks. This is a great opportunity. In fact, along those lines, you even keep some adaptive fishing gear right at the park for people to use, don't you? Yeah, so we have two adaptive fishing poles here at the park for people to use. Kind of describe those. What are they like and how, how do they help people fish? Yeah, so one of the poles that we have actually has a motor on it. So when you want to reel in, you just push the button and it reels it in for you. And then the other one that we have just has a strap to put on your arm, and then it has a larger reel for you to grab onto, so it's easier for you to grab onto. So you're really trying to get people who may be a little challenged out, either whether it's a trail ride or picnics or the fishing opportunities, and you're probably going to catch fish there. It's really awesome. By the way, folks, I did write an article for the Denver Post on this a couple years ago, so I took that article describing this program and I put it on my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. It gives a great description of how the track chairs work if you want to read that. But at that time, you only had one or two. Now how many chairs do you have? So we currently have four chairs here at the park. And then you've lent one to Bar Lake too, is that right? Yeah, so technically we have five chairs, but we've lent one out to Bar Lake State Park this summer. So if somebody can't get up to um, you guys, but you guys have the perfect park for this, they might be able to get, I assume Bar Lake has a reservation system too, or don't you know? I am not sure how they're running their program. I would just give Bar Lake a call and let them know that you're interested in using their track chair. All right. And so if people want to come out for the event, they want more information on the adaptive outdoor event or to reserve one of the chairs, how do they get a hold of you guys? Yeah, so the easiest way to get a hold of me is going to be through email. And my email address is on, that, um, is on our website. And then that reservation page is just going to be on our website as well. All right. Natalie, thank you so much for joining us. What a great program, getting people out to enjoy the outdoors that might not otherwise. I think this is a tremendous opportunity. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Ab- absolutely. Thank you for having me on. You bet. Natalie Bostow from Staunton Park. Go to Staunton's website. Check this out. Go to my Facebook page, Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on Facebook. Read the article. If you've got somebody that lacks mobility or lacks some abilities as challenged, what a great way to get them out in the outdoors. I so love this program. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, we'll be joined by more Parks and Wildlife people by Terry Wickstrom on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. Bob Seeger there, Kyle. Way to go. Get things popping. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear. Hey, I want to give a shout-out to some people I dealt with over the last couple days. This is a totally unpaid promotion. I received no discounts or money for this, but I had to get a couple pieces of sod 
to fix a part of my yard, and it was an extremely small purchase, but I needed to get some, and I really didn't know much about sod. I went out to the folks at Turfmaster Sod, and I couldn't have been treated more professionally, uh, more kindly, the sharing of information, the good people. I just want to say, if you're you're looking for some sod these people are fantastic they explained the different grasses to me and uh they were just wonderful to deal with so thank you to the folks at Turfmaster. hey we're going to talk a lot more fishing yet today um nate, uh, nate Zielinski is going to join us we're going to take you out to kirk's fly shop up in estes uh chad lachance is going to join us but right now we've got a lot of people getting out on boats so we want to go right to the phones. And I said right. So now somebody's going to say, well, do you go left? Do you go center? That was the big joke last week. But let's go to the phones. And joining us from Colorado Parks and Wildlife is Bridget Cushell. And we're going to talk some boating safety. Good morning, Bridget. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, you you probably heard me kind of saying, well, go right to the phone. We had a big thing online last week where somebody says, you always say go right to the phones. Don't you ever go left to the phones? And then somebody <laughs> said, go then somebody else put on the text line, go up to the phones. And so that ended up being a big joke all week last week. So I got a little note. I was just going to say, I was put a little note. I was just going to say, go to the phones. And right away I said, go right to the phone. So old my age, you just can't change your habits, but you know, you know what, this is um, all kidding aside. This is an important topic. In fact, we had, um, three people water rescued in Fort Collins out of the Poudre River just last night. I listened to one of them on my scanner. Fortunately, the river's running high. People got in trouble. Fortunately, those all ended well because those people were wearing life jackets. Now, would they have got otherwise? We don't know, but it certainly could have been a different outcome. But we've got this warm weather coming. People are going to be getting their boats out for the first time, or we're going to be getting in the water. You're going to see more paddle sports like paddle boards and kayaks. You're going to just see more people water recreating. And along with that, Parks and Wildlife, I believe it's Boating Safety Week. Is that right? That's correct. So it's National Safe Boating Week. And the biggest message is that life jackets save lives. And like you said, more people are are getting out. And what I love about your show is that we don't want to sound preachy, but it's just we – we care for our outdoor community. And so we want to just share our lessons learned and sharing is caring and just talk about some different ways of how to be safe on the water this summer. Well, first of all, let's talk about the fact that if, if you have a boat and you're getting out, there are certain safety requirements. Like uh, if you have a bigger boat, a fire extinguisher, any, I think any watercraft, you're supposed to have a noisemaker, like a whistle or something. Um, There's also and a bigger boats, you have to have throw cushions. But the number one safety uh, device is your PFDs, your life jackets, isn't it? Exactly. And and these days, they're more lightweight. They're stylish. I know mine. Mine's very comfortable. It's purple. I, it's it's nice to wear it. I feel safer. So again, those life jackets they do save lives. Well, you can get lightweight ones, like you said. You can get. Make sure. By the way, make sure you get ones for the right age and weight of the person but you can get you can still get the bulkier ones and some people people feel safer with those and i sometimes wear um, i have two different types in my boat i have the vest type and but i'm on my kayak i wear my inflatables and you don't even know you have those on unless you go into the water 
Uh, unfortunately, we had an incident at Cherry Creek with a kayaker already this year, didn't we? We did, unfortunately. And so um, in that situation, the life jacket was attached to the kayak and um, the boater wasn't wearing it. And so that is so important to, to put the life jacket on and, and have it while you're out on the water because it, you never know with with the weather and the wind gusts and what can happen, and it's better just to be safe and, and prepared for the unexpected. Well, you're absolutely right. You know, and especially, well, even in a, a full-size boat, if you fall in, you don't have any idea how difficult it is to self-rescue, to get back into a boat or get back on a kayak. Um, I've never paddle, I've never paddleboarded, but I've kayaked, but I, I don't know how difficult that is. But I know if you fall off, you go one way and the vessel tends to go the other way because of momentum. And, and if the, especially with the water still pretty cold and really cold in the mountains, uh, it, you just, you, you can lose it so quickly in the water. So having one on the boat is the law, unless you're, I think under 13, you have to wear it, but you should just have them on anyway. Uh, we had a lot of incidents last year, unfortunately, didn't we? We did. So Colorado, our state, we had a very tragic 2020 season, and we actually saw a record number of 34 total drownings. So that's why this summer we really just want to look out for each other, look out for our friends, our family, our outdoor community, and just, again, that message of Life Fest, they save lives. And let's all look out for each other and be safe on the water this year. Well, and it can happen so quickly. I shared a, uh, a story with you that, I was in the only time I've ever ended up in the water in my decades of being on the water was uh, just a few years ago when I did flip one of my kayaks and I was in the kayak. We were out at a local lake. It was actually very nice weather. It was the water was still a little cool, but tolerable. And I was wearing shoes and lightweight pants and things in the kayak. So I wasn't dressed to go swimming either. And I had my inflatable on, and I was I kind of pushed the kayak to a limit. I was kind of testing it, and I was reaching around and doing some things and fishing, and all of a sudden it flipped. And I was kind of aware it could, and it still caught me tremendously by surprise. It flipped so quickly. And then yeah. it, I'm lucky it didn't hit me in the head when it came over because, you know, I, I could have been unconscious or anything. But I think the funny part I told you was, I ended up in the water. I'm like 10 feet in the water. I'm still holding a fishing rod in my hand and wearing my hat. And I'm, and I'm <laughs> true looking angler. up. I can, yeah, I can see the light up above me. And there's a lot of trees and weeds there. Now, I think I probably could have swam out of that. But I don't know for sure. I don't know that as a fact. Um, but while I was down there, my, my suspenders inflated and I came bobbing up like a cork. Um, but then I was able to grab the kayak and because I, I was floating. But if without that life jacket, and if I would have struggled getting up, uh, to tell you the truth, getting back on a kayak when you're out in the water is, is extremely difficult. It takes a, a hard maneuver, and I didn't really understand it well enough. I, I, I've learned since how to do it, but I had to actually swim with the kayak to get in where I could stand up to get back on it. So, you know, if I would have been not wearing a life jacket, I could have got in serious trouble it can happen just so so quickly and with the number of paddle boards and people we have out there um you talked about the wind you had an incident where the you got pretty unnerved by the wind when you were out in your kayak exactly yeah i mean i was out in on the kayak and 
the wind just took up. The water got really choppy. I did have my life vest on. I was glad that you're wearing yours too, Terry. So that was fantastic. Um, and yeah, I just, the, I wasn't expecting that. I had already looked at the weather, the water conditions, the weather. I thought I was okay. It was a beautiful sunny day and it did. It hit a point where I didn't feel comfortable. And so I did have to kind of paddle myself out and, and get off the water, but it just, it caught me by surprise. And I just bought a stand-up paddleboard this summer, and I'm really excited about it. And what I'm doing more research about is cold water temperatures and really me needing to know before I go and, and planning out my trips and having a better understanding of where I'm going to bring my paddleboard out this summer. Well, I think we're running out of time, but I think we really, our message is, you know, put your life jacket on. It it really could save your life. You know, and paddleboarders and kayakers, be aware of the wind. You can go, any vessel, to tell you the truth, but you can get in trouble so quickly. Our our reservoirs are seeing so many rescues of kayaks, of paddle craft that are getting blown around because we get some windy days. And people getting in the water, getting in distress with no life jackets, just we want you to get out there, and be, but we just want you to be careful. And I think the last thing you and I bring up almost every time is uh, be good stewards of the environment when you're out. You know, pick up your trash, and we just want everybody to get out and have a nice place to recreate, Bridget. That's right. Absolutely. So, everyone, have fun this summer. Be safe. Uh, at our website, we have a whole list of things to do, which talks about all kinds of water recreation, but also um, hiking trails and so really just have fun this summer, be safe, and please balance your outdoor recreation with mindful conservation so we can keep Colorado colorful. All right. Thank you for joining us, Bridget. We'll talk to you again very soon. Have a great day, everybody. Take care. You bet. We're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, we're going to um, go up to Kirk's Fly Shop in Estes and talk about fly fishing on the Big Thompson and up in uh, Rocky Mountain National Park. All that and more coming up on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors, presented by Jack's Outdoor Gear on 104.3 The Fan. You're listening to Terry Wickstrom Outdoors on 104.3 The Fan. Let's go to the phones. And joining us from Kirk's Fly Shop in Estes Park is Darren Christensen. Good morning, Darren. How are you doing today, Terry? You know, I'm doing really well. It's, uh, you know, it's, I love the sunshine. That's one of the reasons I live in Colorado. It's a little cloudy today, but a lot of times this really can kick off fishing. I mean, a lot of hatches get triggered in this, this cloud cover, don't they? Yeah, and actually up here it's complete blue skies right now. We don't have any clouds, but, I mean, we might later today. Oh, but, yeah, um, cloudy, cloudy days are always good for good hatches. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the fishing, what's going on. First of all, we'll tell you more about Kirk's towards the end of the segment, but you're located in Estes. I always tell people you're right by the Dairy Queen, right downtown there. We are. You have We're a, a couple doors away from the Dairy Queen. And you have also have a, um, a facility at Grand Lake. But what's going on? Let's start with the park first. Is there still a lot of snow up in the park? Are the floors coming yeah. up? Are, yeah, up high there's still a ton of snow. Um, most of the high mountain lakes are still covered in snow and ice. Um, there's a few, like Dream Lake is kind of slushy, meaning it's getting close to being iced off, but probably still another week or so away. And anything above that is still all iced up, whether it's the lock or the mills or um, Hayaha, you name it. And when they come up there, but the rivers, at least in the lower part of the park, are probably fishing pretty good right now, or are they, or are they getting too high in water? 
Um, you know, they're right on the cusp. So, like, they're fishing good in the, you know, you just got to look for the spots. So, like, in Moraine, which is the upper Big Thompson, and on the upper Fall River area, like, you know, near the alluvial fan, the water's starting to get high, but those meadow sections have those nice deep bends, and they actually fish really pretty good during the high water. Well, then I think another thing that happens at the park, too, and you mentioned the lakes, as the water starts to come down more, more and more of those lakes open up. And then also the higher stretches of the river don't flow as hard as the lower ones. So there's almost always options at the park, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Well, and you have all these smaller little tributaries that just, like, flow into. And, I mean, some of them don't even have names. They're just, like, little seasonal runoff areas. But, you know, the brook trout and the little cutthroats, they just pile up in those during the high water. So looking for those along the trail is always a good good place to find fish as well. Before we move out of the park, you know, the park has gone to a reservation system. I think it kicks in pretty soon. Um, and a lot of people, you know, 28th. 28th. Okay. And a lot of people say, I want to fish the park, but I couldn't get a reservation or I don't know how to get a reservation. You guys, because you're outfitters in the park, you don't need to get a reservation, right? If they book with you, they can get in the park to go fishing with you. That is correct. So yeah, if you're doing a guided fishing trip this summer with us, you don't need a reservation um, to get in the park. And also you don't just do fishing trips. You do um, backpacking trips and trail trips, guided trail trips too, right? We do. We do um, backpacking trips. We also do llama packing trips, which we let the llamas do the work and carry all the load. Um, but and, we'd go up to the, some of the high mountain lakes and you know spend a few days and catch some of the beautiful cutthroat up there. And by the way, folks, if you want to see some of this, um, Kirk and I have done several television shows in the park. We took we went horseback up to the high mountain lakes. And I'll tell you what, the size of those fish in those high mountain lakes was, I was really surprised. It was tremendous. And then we also did a llama trip where we went up and fished uh, up by the alluvial fan. We hiked up and Darren, you know, wore me into the ground. The Kirk wore me into the ground, Darren, because he thinks I'm, you know, he, he, he goes like an animal trying to keep up with him. But boy, did we have fun up there. He is. Yeah, but go to my YouTube channel, Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, and you can see a lot of these park activities. In addition to Kirk and I did a lot of shows on the Big Thompson and the North Fork of the Big Thompson. And speaking of those, how are they fishing? They're doing well. So the North Fork is a smaller tributary of the, you know, the main Big Thompson River. And because it's smaller, it doesn't get quite as crazy high. And so those are the kind of rivers you, you know, this time of year, they're good to look for the North Fork you know, West Creek, um, the upper St. Vrain, up in Rocky Mountain National Park. You know, those are all good options when the water gets high. The Roaring River, which you were talking about, the alluvial fan there, the Roaring River is a smaller river. So, and they're all fishing great. And up and down the Big Thompson below the Estes, how's that fishing? It's fishing good. You know, and the water hasn't gotten too high down there yet. Um, we had one day that it was pretty high. You know, it's obviously controlled by the dam, so it's not like a natural runoff. But right now the flow is 300, which is still completely fishable. And then there's also um, – I'm glad I got that. Um, up in the park, it's only 199 right now. So, you know, it's still – we're a little away from peak runoff yet, but it's definitely starting to get up a little higher. 
Now, over the last few years, you know, of course, the flood did so much damage to the Big Thompson several years ago. But what a rebound. For a while, the fish were on the upper stretch below below Estes, below the dam. And it was full of fish, but the lower stretches weren't that good. But over the last two, three years, because of the river restoration and, and all the things that have gone on, I'm hearing that the fishing is pretty good up and down the Big T all the way into Loveland. It is indeed. Um, below the confluence, you know, which is Drake, the confluence of the North Fork and the the main Big Thompson River, um, is fishing actually great. There's people catching, you know, nice-sized fish all up and down that stretch, you know, from there all the way down to the dam store. What about some of the other waters you guys um, you guys guide on? You, you guide on the St. Vrain and you guide on the Colorado. What can you tell me about those? So the St. Vrain, um, we guide up in the park. The North St. Vrain, um, just so people who haven't don't know, um, flows down by Lyons. And there was a fuel spill there about two, maybe three weeks ago now. And so I wouldn't waste your time fishing there. Most of the fish, unfortunately, died, if not all of them, through that stretch. Um, the South St. Rain, though, which is, you know, going up Highway 7 between Lyons and Estes, um, is fishing good. Um, you know, that's a, it wasn't affected at all by the fuel spill. So that's a good option as well. And then the Colorado? Oh, and the Colorado is actually not that high yet, so it's actually been fishing really well. We've been running several float trips over there. Guys have been catching a lot of good fish. Um, so that's and we fished the section, you know, State Bridge down to Pump House, and the last it's been question, fishing great. The last question I have for you is: Are you expecting any of the waters that you guys fish to be affected by any of the runoff through the fire scars? You know, we haven't seen any of that yet, and I'm hopeful that that won't be the case. Um, the Upper Big Thompson, you know, the, the fire kind of came through the Fern Lake and Spruce Lake area, which, you know, kind of drained down into the Upper Big Thompson and Moraine. And so far the water has been clear as a bell still. So I'm hoping that continues as the snow melts. And then the only other river that's in our drainage is the North Fork of the Big Thompson, and so far, so good. It hasn't, you know, shown any signs of, you know, ash. So we'll see as, you know, the next few weeks will tell the tale on that. I mean, it's, I don't think it's going to be enough to affect the fish, you know, uh, long term. It just might be kind of short term. There might be a couple of days it'll be a little cloudy, but we'll see. All right. Well, we're going to let you go, but if people want to book a trip or they just want to stop by the shop, pick out a few flies and have you give them a few tips, or they just want more information, how do they get a hold of you guys? Yeah, so our phone number is 970-577-0790. And we are, as Terry said, just a couple doors down from the Dairy Queen, 230 East Elkhorn in Estes Park, Colorado. And, of course, you also have a location at Grand Lake that does conventional fishing from boats for lake trout and browns and things like that. Darren, that thank, right. you so much for jo- thank you so much for joining us. You bet. Thank you, Terry. All right, that's uh, Darren Christensen from Kirk's Fly Shop in Estes. I told you I've got a ton of videos on my YouTube channel, The Best of Fishing with Terry Wickstrom, Fishing with Kirk from Kirk's Fly Shop. Great people, great information. Take a look at that and check them out. We're going to take a time out. we come back, Nate Zielinski is going to join us, and uh, we're going to talk more fishing on Terry Wickstrom Outdoors and 104.3 The Fan.